Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch, down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris, Chris Mannix. All right, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already downloaded our usual Friday podcast that is up right now at a conversation with Lance Pugmire and Sergio Mora about all the news in boxing of the week. I uh, had a good talk with Devin Haney, the lightweight title holder who fights on the zone on Saturday. But after the podcast posted on Friday, we had some huge news in the world of boxing. Canelo Alvarez, arguably the top pound for pound fighter in the world, arguably the top box office draw in the world. He is a promotional and network free agent. This is after Canelo agreed to a separation agreement with Golden Boy, his longtime promoter, and with DAZN, which has broadcast his last three fights. All three were in litigation over the last couple of months uh, where Canelo sued to get out of the contracts with both. They have come to an agreement that allows Canelo uh, to be free and clear. Uh, DAZN wished him well publicly. Oscar De La Hoya wished him well publicly, and Canelo will move on to other things. Talk about that. I want to bring in Keith Idek, the senior boxing writer over at BoxingScene.com. Keith, just give me your initial reaction to the news of Canelo becoming, uh, I guess in basketball terms, an unrestricted free agent. I'm sort of surprised that it happened the way that it did, Chris. Uh, I'm not surprised that he is no longer associated with Golden Boy Promotions because that's what he wanted all along. He made that very clear. I am sort of surprised, though, that he's able to walk away from this clean and be able to go and negotiate uh, with whichever network he wants to fight on American pay-per-view. I am a little surprised by that because, in effect, Golden Boy, I don't want to say they got nothing out of it because they obviously made a lot of money working with Canelo Alvarez and and held some esteem in the in the boxing industry by having as you mentioned, Chris, one of the biggest stars uh, of this era in the sport, but they kind of got nothing out of it. He was able to walk away free and clean. That part of it surprises me a little bit. Uh, also surprised that the zone at least doesn't have, uh, from what I've been led to believe, the right uh, to match any offer that Canelo gets. So he can go fight 
uh, with whichever network he wants. Uh, you know, the rumor, of course, is that he's going to fight Caleb Plant next. I haven't been able to confirm that. Um, but a little surprised that he's just walking away clean from this the way that he did. Which surprises you more, that Golden Boy just let him go or DAZN let him out of the contract? Because for me, it's Golden Boy because they had so much invested in Canelo over the years. He is unquestionably the top fighter in their stable. I understand the relationship between Oscar and with Canelo. I mean, maybe we overuse this word, but I think toxic is an appropriate term to describe that relationship. Does does either one surprise you more that they just allowed Canelo to walk? As you mentioned, Chris, probably the golden boy part because they had so much invested in Canelo Alvarez that, you know, they've obviously been his promoter for all of his biggest fights. Uh, so, so that's probably the more surprising part of it. But I think it speaks to how poorly these contracts were constructed, probably done very hastily, and not all of the I's were dotted and all of the T's were crossed. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to walk away from this the way that he is. So let's walk through what it means for all three parties involved here. And let's start with Canelo. As you mentioned, uh, ESPN had reported that Caleb Plant was the target possibly for December 19th, which is an open boxing date. But as you and I and boxing fans know, Keith, it's not a great date because there is a lot of college football on that day. There's NFL football on that day. Uh, It's one of the reasons why a Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight didn't materialize in December. Now, where do you think that Canelo goes from here? Can you see him signing on with another promotional outfit long-term? Do you think he'll try to go the Miguel Cotto route, for lack of a better comparison, where he signs short-term deals? How do you think Canelo approaches his free agency? I think this next fight, Chris, and I don't know necessarily that it will be December 19th because that's not that far away. It's a month and a half away. It's not the optimum amount of time to be able to promote a huge pay-per-view, particularly for a network that's going to invest so much money and so many resources into Canelo Alvarez's next fight. I don't know that that it'll happen then, but when it happens, I expect it to probably be a one-off and then he'll go to the highest bidder after that because he wants some security. He wants a long-term contract. He wants to be able to get, well, he wants $35 million per fight, which is what he was supposed to make under this deal with the zone and Golden Boy Promotions. I don't know that he'll be able to get that on the open market, even with him being as big of a star in the U.S. as he is. Um, but he's going to try. So I think this next fight will be a, uh, a one-fight type of deal, and then he'll shop his services around after that. And um, look, I mean, it's no secret, Chris, within the industry that people expect him to fight for PBC in his next fight, whether that's on a Fox pay-per-view or a Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, they expect him to be affiliated with Al Heyman, at least for his next fight. Uh, that's the rumor. Um, I know ESPN would like to get involved. Bob Arum, top rank, would like to get involved. But there are a lot of, I think, um, restrictions maybe for Canelo that might make him uh, be more inclined to work with Al Heyman and not have uh, himself locked into a promoter as he would have to be if he works with ESPN and Topper. Yeah, and I think my question is, you know, you mentioned the guarantees Canelo could be looking for. What's out there and who's willing to make any kind of substantial financial guarantee to him that comes close to matching what DAZN 
uh, and and their outfit was willing to do for him. Now, to be clear, DeZoom was no longer willing to do that. So it's not like he's walking mm-hmm. away from the $280 million that was left. DeZoom was just not willing to to make that kind of financial investment in him anymore, and the pandemic uh, gave them an opportunity to uh, pursue legal avenues to get out of that contract. But we are, Keith, as you know, in kind of a depressed pay-per-view market where you had the Charlo twins do a pay-per-view that, from what I understand, was right around 100000 which is not very good. You had... Javante Davis recently do a pay-per-view, which has been reported to be in the neighborhood of 200000 which is very good for for a fighter uh, of Davis's stature and his first time headlining a pay-per-view. So, you know, there's, there's some money out there, but I guess the question will be, does Canelo have the star power to drive 500000 750000 plus pay-per-views, both in general and in this pay-per-view market, which could be depressed for... A decent amount of time. I mean, the pandemic isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And as, you know, the proliferation of pay-per-views make it less likely we see big numbers because people are ultimately going to decide, well, am I going to pay for Errol Spence or am I going to pay for Canelo versus whomever? Am I Or, or some such, you know, two-in-a-month billing cycle. Those decisions are made by some of the less hardcore boxing fans who don't have the disposable income anymore. And that's... That's more and more people as we're in this kind of turbulent financial time. So I guess I think that's my big question. Like, what kind of draw is Canelo on the pay-per-view market? Is he the same guy that can, you know, with the right opponent, can push a million pay-per-view buys as he did with HBO pay-per-view? Or does he have to have more modest expectations, which could lead to more modest revenue coming through? I think the short answer, Chris, is it depends. And it depends on who he's fighting. If he's fighting Caleb Plant, and as you mentioned, in this depressed pay-per-view market, I don't know how you could expect that fight to do between 500 and 750,000 buys. Caleb Plant is an undefeated super middleweight champion. He's a good fighter. Um, he's gained some recognition by fighting on Fox, which is obviously available to millions upon millions of people. Uh, but I don't think it's the type of fight that will draw that type of business. But uh, if he fights Jamal Charlo, that's a fight that I think people would be very interested in seeing. If, even if it was at 168 pounds and required Charlo to move up it eight pounds to do it, I think there'd be intense interest in that fight. Um, is there a fight available for Canelo Alvarez, which I guess is your question, where he could do a million buys again? I don't know. And if the, that fight is available, it still might be Gennady Golovkin, which now is not on the table for him at all, which is probably what he wanted to begin with. He didn't seem interested in fighting Golovkin anyway. Um, but that fight, which obviously was a big part of DAZN's business plan in terms of signing both of them to nine-figure contracts, has now evaporated. I, I don't think we'll see that third fight now. I don't know necessarily that that fight, based on Golovkin being older and how Canelo has developed into one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world, arguably the best, um, I don't know that people view that fight as competitive enough uh, to, for it to do a million buys. But if there's one fight left for him that could do it, that's probably it. Charlo fight, I think, could do very well. A million is uh, that's rarefied air in these days. So I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it's a big number. And we got used to it to a degree watching Pacquiao do it uh, continuously in the early to mid 2000s. Floyd did it pretty fairly 
uh, not often, but he did it cons- uh, relatively often uh, over his career. And now, you know, it, it's just not there. Those numbers just aren't there anymore. And I agree with you. You know, if Golovkin, you know, look, this is, again, this is spinning off into a separate topic, but, you know, Golovkin, I think there's still a chance Gennady Golovkin fights before the end of the year. I think that's still a possibility. Um, and if he goes out and stomps Camille Zarameta, I mean, like, to the casual fan, Keith, even though you and I know what that fight is at this point, or at least what we think it is at this point, there are still a lot of casual fans that still, you know, who aren't in as in the weeds as we are that see Canelo Golovkin as a fight they'd be willing to either pay for or sign up for or whatever it is. So I agree with you. Bizarrely, that, that remains, I think, his best op- option to draw the most eyeballs in a potential pay-per-view. So... All right, let, let's talk then about Golden Boy. They lose the top star in its stable. Canelo was their, you know, Golden Boy, I guess. Uh, where do they go from here? What are they right now? Because they lose Canelo, but they still have a pretty strong stable of young fighters. I mean, Ryan Garcia might be the most appealing young fighter in boxing. Virgil Ortiz was the consensus 2019 uh, prospect of the year. Jaime Munguia, undefeated, very popular Mexican fighter. Jojo Diaz has a belt around his waist at 130 pounds. Uh, so they lose a big figure, but remarkably, despite all the turbulence of the last couple of years, their stable, Keith, remains reasonably strong. It does, Chris. I, look, there's no sugarcoating the fact that today was a bad day for Golden Boy Promotions. They they are no longer associated with the biggest star in American boxing. I mean, there's, there's no way to, uh, to make that sound in any way positive, of course, but at the same time, Chris, you do make good points in that they have some young talent, particularly Ryan Garcia and Virgil Ortiz that could be bonafide stars, you know, and we're going to see what Ryan Garcia is made of here against Luke Campbell. It's a real test for him. It's a step up fight. If he passes that test the way a lot of people think that he will, uh, you know, he's ascended to a place where his career will really take off from there, whether he fights Devin Haney or Javante Davis, or I think Haney is more likely of course, but even Tiafimo Lopez, although I see Lopez moving up to 140, but Virgil Ortiz is a beast. And and I think he's going to be a real player at 147 pounds very quickly here. So they've done a good job from a matchmaking and a signing prospects perspective to have this type of talent. I think those two guys are clearly on another level than Jaime Munguia, but Munguia is a very popular fighter in Mexico and he fights in a very entertaining way. I think we all thought to some extent they were just preparing him to eventually feed him to Canelo, which now doesn't appear that it will happen anytime or anytime soon anyway. Uh, but, uh, but another appealing fighter, as you said, so, and they still have Jorge Linares and they have some other fighters that, you know, that they can put on the zone and people will want to watch, but, but, you know, look, it, it is what it is. I mean, it, this is a bad day for Golden Boy Promotions. There's no two ways about it. Um, there's you, you don't want to walk away from a, you know, 12-year relationship with the biggest star in American boxing. And if you want to look at it at a more micro level, this is a terrible day for Oscar De La Hoya because Oscar De La Hoya, the biggest star in boxing or one of for almost two decades, had control of, had a relationship with, the biggest star in boxing right now, a fellow uh, Mexican, or in the case of De La Hoya, Mexican descent. And the relationship 
was toxic. You know, and, and this has been brewing for some time now, but it's almost remarkable, Keith, that this relationship reached the point of, of, of a fracture just because they seemed like such a, a, a good pairing. And if you remember, what was it? I mean, I, I'm forgetting how many years ago it was now. Five years ago, six years ago, whenever it was that De La Hoya was going through his personal problems, there was a, a breakup with Richard Schaefer. A lot of the fighters that were fighting under the Golden Boy banner left and went with Al Heyman and, and went into a separate, uh, a separate company. Canelo stayed. Canelo was loyal to De La Hoya uh, back several years ago. Now, fast forward, and that relationship is over. That really is a, a remarkable descent for a fighter and a promoter that you would think on paper would be perfect for each other. Can Oscar knows what it means to be a huge star. He knows how to build himself up into a huge star. Canelo, you know, it, the heir apparent in some ways to Oscar De La Hoya, that it that it broke down to this point really is remarkable. It is. And, you know, some of Oscar's uh, personal problems, of course, are, are part of the problem in their relationship. And I don't want to get too deep into that because I don't have intimate knowledge of that, of course. But I think, um, you know, missing press conferences and things like that, you know, might have rubbed Canelo the wrong way. Um, but, but I think if the business was right, Chris, as much as, their relationship had become fractured and they weren't as close as they once were. If the business was right, it wouldn't have mattered. I think if he was getting his $35 million per fight, he would have looked past all of that. He's a, ultimately, he's a businessman. He's trying to maximize how much he'll make. In the, he's still in the, his physical prime, but he has a lot of mileage on him in terms of starting so young in his career. So he's trying to maximize uh, what he can make out of his career here. And if those numbers added up for him, he would still be fighting for Golden Boy promotions. He would still be fighting on the zone. Because if you look, just to, to draw a parallel, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Javante Davis have clearly had their issues. It's a, sort of a similar situation. Now, Javante Davis clearly is not as big of a star as Canelo, uh, but Floyd was the biggest star in, in the history of the sport, maybe, right? Or certainly from a financial perspective, he's the biggest star in the history of the sport. And they have had their issues, but they've been able to patch that up, go about it in a way where there where Javante Davis is following Floyd Mayweather's blueprint and the numbers are adding up and there, and, and the things that Floyd Mayweather is telling Javante Davis, who's of course younger than Canelo and more impressionable maybe. Um, but the things that Floyd Mayweather is telling him are, are happening just as he's telling, you know, follow my blueprint and you're going to get to where you want to be. Canelo doesn't necessarily need that at this point from Oscar De La Hoya. He doesn't, he's an older fighter, of course, and, He's been at the top level for so, so long. Uh, but, but again, if the numbers added up, Chris, I think they would all still be together fighting together on the zone. I agree. Uh, I, I do think there's a pretty significant opportunity that was missed by them not having a relationship, you know, by them, whether it's through positive press or appearances on late night talk shows, whatever it is, you know, having mentor i mean there weren't mentor necessarily but you know protege and mentor you know mm -hmm. oscar the old guard canelo the new like if they were on friendlier terms it would have led to better press it would have been bigger business i mean it, it just would have been better for everybody involved and that deterioration has been uh i guess not surprising anymore because we've seen it coming for a couple of years yeah. now but it, it just still it is still somewhat a little 
it's still a little crazy to me that it went went that route. All right, yeah, yeah good. And it's it's a, it's unfortunate, Chris. Really, is right. what it is because there was a point in Canelo Alvarez's life where he did look up to Oscar De La Hoya. He did idolize the Golden Boy, and Oscar. Look for all of his personal demons and everything. Oscar De La Hoya is one of the biggest stars in the history of the sport, and was one hell of a fighter. So you know, the, no one can knock Oscar's resume or what he did in the ring or anything. So it's it, it's it's sort of sad and unfortunate that their relationship turned into what it, or devolved into what it did. But that's life, as they say. Do you think one more question about Oscar? Do, I mean, do you think he takes this as a lesson? And I say that because he's had kind of a contentious relationship with Ryan Garcia. And Ryan Garcia is, you know, we don't know if he has the talent of Canelo yet to be a pound-for-pound type of guy, but he sure has the star power. And if you're looking at a guy that could become a standard bearer in boxing, someone that could be a face of boxing over the next 10 years, Ryan's a strong candidate. And yet, over the last year, there have been some public battles. And battles, Keith, I don't know how you perceive them, but I always perceive them as Ryan kind of, you know, shaking his head and wondering why his idol was, you know, being a dick to him. Like, that's just kind of how I, I viewed it. And <laughs> it, it like, I, I hope that this, that history doesn't repeat itself here because yeah. just like Oscar was the right promoter for Canelo, he's the right promoter for Ryan Garcia, a Southern California kid, just like Oscar, who, you know, came up not as hard as Oscar, but came up. Uh, uh, somewhat, somewhat the hard way. Uh, has some Mexican heritage to him. Um, yeah, it just. I, I just hope he he takes this as a lesson learned that you know that the relationship with Ryan doesn't go the path of the relationship with Canelo. And it obviously bears watching Chris to see how they move forward with this relationship in the short term. Although he recently signed a, a long term contract, he look Ryan Garcia's idol probably is Canelo, not Oscar De La Hoya, right? I mean, Canelo is is serving a mentor role to him. They're trained by Eddie Reynoso in the Reynoso family, and they're in the same camp. And I think he's – look, he's going to sour on Golden Boy if, if Canelo continues telling him what he's telling him, you know, what he's probably told him already about how his own dealings went with Golden Boy. So I don't think it helps in the long term for Golden Boy for Ryan Garcia – to be so close to Canelo. Now, look, contracts are contracts, and I would hope that their contract with Ryan Garcia is much more rock solid than their contract with Canelo turned out to be. Um, assuming that's true, he's going to have to fight for Golden Boy whether he likes it or not, and on his own whether he likes it or not. Um, but we need to see more from Ryan Garcia before we start wondering how he's going to evolve and how it's going to compare to how Canelo's careers evolved. Because again, he has a lot of Instagram followers and he's shown a lot of ability and he, and he's won his step up fights, you know, reasonable step up fights in a very impressive fashion. But let's see what he does against Luke Campbell and then see what happens from there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's still a lot long way to go. If you're Ryan Garcia, All right, let's finish with the future of DAZN because you know, DAZN, it was <clears throat> about two years ago. They made a big splash uh, announcing the deal with golden boy, announcing the deal with Canelo Alvarez, uh, Canelo, and DAZN officials will tell you, is the, is the subscription driver on the network. He is. His, his fights you know, draw the biggest numbers by far, uh, and people subscribe and stay to watch Canelo Alvarez. Now that he's out of the fold, we know that uh, there's going to be a new deal, or there is, at least I could say there is uh, going to be a continued deal 
with Golden Boy. There is going to be a continued relationship for the next few years with Eddie Hearn. So it's not like they're getting out of the boxing business, but what is DAZN now? How big a hit is the loss of Canelo to DAZN's business model? I would say it's pretty big, Chris, in the sense, as you mentioned, he's the biggest star in boxing. He's a subscription driver. Uh, anytime you can be affiliated with a fighter who has accomplished what he's accomplished and is a transcendent talent the way that he is, it hurts when, when he walks away. But from a financial perspective, I think they're relieved that they're no longer on the hook for this $35 million per fight, which it turned out that they're not going to have to pay him. Yeah, 40, uh, 40 so, even with the, with the opponent. I mean, it's a big nut. Right, with the opponent. Yeah, it was a $40 million package per fight. That's a lot of money. And it it never made sense to me, Chris, and I'm not trying to you know say that I was right the whole time, but people who kept stressing that this $365 million, $365, I said, listen, they're never going to get to the point where he gets paid $365 million for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, he's bound to lose somewhere along the way. You're not going to continue paying. As great as he is, he's, someone is going to beat him convincingly at some point. It happens to virtually every fighter except Floyd Mayweather, Rocky Marciano, I guess. But, um, but it's going to happen, and you're not going to continue paying someone $35 million per fight if for argument's sake, he gets knocked out at some point. So I, that part of it just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way that people continue to write and say that this was a 360. It's, it just wasn't, it seemed like a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors, basically. But but from a financial perspective, this is actually good for DAZN because they've done some, uh, you know, some managing of their budget that will be helpful for them. But the one, the question that I would, would have about, you know, now that Canelo is no longer associated with the zone. What are they doing with Gennady Golovkin? They've committed a hundred plus million dollars to Gennady Golovkin for the sole purpose, it seemed, for him to eventually fight Canelo Alvarez a third time. And now Canelo Alvarez does not fight on the zone. What are you doing with a fighter going on 39 years old who they've seemingly committed an enormous amount of money to for a mandatory defense of his IBF title against the fighter? No, no offense. No one cares about. What are they doing with him? Moving? Who is he? He beats Camille Zarameta, which he should. Even you know, thirty-eight going on thirty-nine, he sh- and coming off a long layoff, he should do that. What are they doing with him thereafter? He's made it crystal clear he doesn't want to fight Demetrius Andrade. He certainly didn't want to fight him before he fought Canelo a third time. So uh, there are other options obviously available for him, but who is he fighting? And why would you continue paying him the kind of money that they're committed to paying him when you're not going to get much return on your investment in terms of subscriptions and overall viewership? No, I I agree. And while Canelo was looking to get out of his contract, unless there is a breach, I don't think Golovkin's going to look to get out of that contract because Golovkin's making really good money out of that contract. So, you know, it's a conundrum with what they do. I mean... As a boxing fan, there are fights that DAZN can make and Matchroom can make and Golden Boy can make that would be appealing for Gennady Golovkin. For example, you know, if he fights Zarameta December, January, whenever it may be, I wouldn't mind seeing Munguia go in against Golovkin. Eric Gomez of Golden Boy has told me that that's a fight they would make, you know, they would have no problem making, you know, right away. They believe Munguia uh, beats Gennady Golovkin at this stage of his career. I mean, we'll see if, the, you know, when the rubber meets the road, would they actually do it? But that's a pretty good fight. You mentioned Andrade. 
I agree that Golovkin has no interest in that. There's also Daniel Jacobs out there. You know, I think that, you know, you know, if you talk to Jacobs people, they'd love to make a rematch against Golovkin at 168 mm-hmm. pounds. So there are boxing fan friendly fights for Golovkin. It's just a question of what those fights are really worth. Like they're they're not worth the money you're investing because you're not getting the Canelo Alvarez fight. And that becomes a problem for for DeZone. Let, let me ask you this finally on on the subject of DeZone. Like do, Golden Boy and Canelo will never work together again. Do you feel like Canelo and DeZone would ever work together again? Because I only bring that up because you know, putting Golovkin aside, if Canelo stays at 168 pounds, like some of the better fights out there are on the DeZone side of the slate. There are certainly appealing ones on the PBC side where you have multiple title holders, or at least in the case of uh, Caleb Plant's title, David Benavidez, a former title holder. Uh, you've got Jamal Charlo moving up to 168 pounds. But there's Callum Smith. There's Billy Joe Saunders. And I only kind of ask this because, you know, if Canelo finds that the financial market isn't what he hoped it would be in terms of long-term deals, and if, if say, nobody's going to pay huge money in the U.S. for Callum Smith versus Canelo or Billy Joe Saunders versus Canelo, the fact that DAZN's gone to this kind of global model makes them like the only one that might pony up 20 million plus to see Canelo against Billy Joe Saunders or Canelo against Callum Smith at four o'clock in the afternoon in the US, like or in the UK for that matter, because of that global model. I mean, do you look because I and again, I another way is asked this when I talk to people at DAZN, you know, they're very clear that they would work with Canelo again. They have no issue whatsoever with that. What do you think Canelo's mindset is on that? I is, Do you think he feels like, and I'm probably asking you to speculate a little bit too much, but do you think he feels like, you know, my, this bridge has been burned entirely? Or do you think the door might be open down the line to see those two sides work together again? I got the sense, Chris, that he had much more of a problem with his partnership with Golden Boy Promotions than he did with his dealings with the zone. So I guess it's possible that if they were the only ones willing to pony up the type of money that he would want, but it would be some twist to the story. If a year from now we're talking about Canelo Alvarez negotiating with the zone for just North of $20 million to fight Callum Smith or Billy Joe Saunders, it would be like bizarre world, right? I mean, we'd be right back to where we started, except he would have eliminated golden boy promotions which might have been more than anything what he wanted to accomplish here. So I don't know how that would work for DAZN's partnership with Golden Boy. I mean, they might do it because it would make business sense for them, but then would they still be willing to pay him? Because who knows what's going to happen with Callum Smith or Billy Joe Saunders at that point. Uh, so those are the 68-pounders. Probably could, you know, Andrade is obviously there. Um, I don't think people would want to see him fight Daniel Jacobs again, but Jacobs is entering the last fight of his uh, contract with the zone here against Gabe Rosado anyway. Um, although I do agree with you that the, uh, the triple G Daniel Jacobs fight su- suddenly becomes a, a greater option than it was this time yesterday, mm. um, you know, in, in the future, of course. But so, yeah, I, I, I could see it happening, Chris, but I don't know. Look, he, we're going to find out soon enough, but what is he worth on the open market is Al Heyman can't, you know, I don't know what he's going to guarantee him. Now, he'll overpay for the first one because it's going to look good for Al Heyman to have, in effect, taken him away from Golden Boy. And you know what the history is between Golden Boy and Al Heyman. Um, and then see what he can do on pay-per-view. And, that, and I think that's what will give us the greatest uh, 
evidence as to how he'll move forward. How many buys does this fight? If he does wind up fighting Caleb Plant or someone comparable, how many buys does it do? Because that will determine what his worth is on the, on the market. So um, maybe he comes back to the zone. It would be a, a, an even more interesting twist if he wound up coming back to the zone and got less than $20 million for a fight. So who knows what's going? You know, it really. But the one point that you, you know, one of the things you said earlier, Chris, that really resonated and should resonate with people is that this is a different pay per view market than it was five years ago. Certainly ten years ago. You know, Javante Davis, as you said, they're saying it's going to do somewhere between two hundred and two twenty five when all of the uh, pay per views are counted, and uh, it might take even longer than the election to count all those pay per views, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, but so say it comes in between two and two twenty-five. That's a smashing success at this point. You know, you're asking people to pay seventy-five dollars during a pandemic, and and that, and that would be considered successful. So the, the pay-per-view market has changed dramatically, and there probably aren't too many fighters that really should be put on pay-per-view. Even really good fighters, like the Charlo pay-per-view, is a, a good example. I mean, two, both Charlos in in real fights that people, some people thought that either of them could lose. And it did, you know, a little more than a hundred thousand, which is not terrible. And 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 the, the deals were constructed as such, where no one was on the hook for uh, a lot of money, and you were going to lose if it didn't do, lose a lot of money if it didn't do much more buys than it did. But anyway, I'm off on a tangent here. But point the point being, sorry, point being, I've been on the phone so much today, Chris. I mean, you know, <laughs> might as well just keep babbling on, I guess, right? But 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 point being, the the pay per view market has changed dramatically, and that. And Canelo Alvarez is not immune from that. Yeah, and it, it gets more difficult to put up big numbers on pay-per-view when despite the fact that the pay-per-view market has changed, people keep putting fights on pay-per-view because you know Fox has made it clear this is part of their blueprint. I mean, Showtime is putting on uh, pay-per-views like the Charlo Twins and like Gervonta Davis. So you're asking boxing fans to pay, I mean, what are we talking, like 10 pay-per-views a year? Like, you know, maybe it's eight, you know, in 2021. Uh, that's that's a lot of money, asking them to put up. And mm-hmm. there'll be fans that choose, you know, some pay-per-views to buy it. It's not necessarily, if Canelo's not in with a, a recognizable guy, it might be difficult for him to do the type of numbers he's used to doing. Either way, Keith, I think we can both agree, like, it's good that this is settled. Like, boxing, I think, is having a pretty good run where you have Teofimo emerging as a star. You've got Gervonta having kind of a star turn performance with the knockout and the pay-per-view numbers. You know, Ryan Garcia at the top. We're talking about boxing in positive terms now, which ha- hasn't been the case for most of the time. I've been covering boxing, at least. Uh, it, we're talking about it in, in positive terms in the fourth quarter of this year. And Canelo needs to be part of that. I mean, when Canelo fights, everybody stands up and takes notice. The casual fan, whether they buy a pay-per-view or not, whether they subscribe to Zone or not, they take notice of Canelo Alvarez ultimately fighting. So him being active, you know, fighting two, three times a year, no matter who he's fighting, that's going to be good for boxing. It's a positive to get the biggest star back in the ring more often than, than he's been in. Yeah, without question, Chris, because people don't want, look, look, it's part of the business. The legal entanglements wind up becoming things that we have to write about and we have to report about and everything. It's just part of the business, of course. But people don't want to read about that or, hear about that or, you know, they want to hear about Canelo Alvarez fighting, you know, Callum Smith or Billy Joe Saunders or Caleb Plant in this year or the fights that they really want, Jamal Charlo and, and you know, some people, Gennady Golovkin for a third time. They don't want to hear about him fighting. Some people love drama, I guess, but they don't really want to hear about 
inner workings of his uh, deteriorated relationship, Golden Boy promotions, or to a lesser degree, the zone. They want to know, they want to talk about who he's fighting. And, and on our website, they want to go on there and call him names. And or <laughs> supporters come on there and they call each other names and whatever, whatever rabbit holes they all go down there. So, um, so, but that's what people want to talk about. They don't want to talk about lawsuits and he said, she said, and that kind of stuff. They, they want to talk about fights. And now finally, we're getting some clarity as it relates to Canelo Alvarez, and we can talk about who he's going to fight, whether it's December 19th or sometime in January. Or February. Don't, don't forget, Keith, some boxing fans, you know, are, are network allegiant. It's wild. Like when, oh. when, Canelo, when Canelo moves on, I think Dan Raphael, our friend and your colleague over at Boxing Scene, made this point. It's like, it's remarkable how many people are cheering for the likelihood they'll be paying an extra $160 next year. Like, it's just... No, it's crazy. Yeah, no, yeah, hey, Chris, you, you know this You know this better than anybody. I mean, if you've, you've listened to some people, you're the devil. Oh, I mean, yes. You know, because you, you work for DAZN, and that's, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, the comments in one story is, I'm, I'm uh, in Top Rank's pocket, and then the next story, he's in PBC's <laughs> pocket. I was like, how many pockets could I be in, for God's sake? I mean, you know, give me a break already. Pick a side. It's like, you know? though, it's like people are stockholders in these companies, in, like, the rival companies, but you're not. Like, you're not getting, you don't gain anything. Like, you know, the zone's yeah. not going under, but if they did, like, you don't win. Like, you, you don't win anything. Like, nothing, right. nothing good comes right. from it. You want, yeah. you want, yeah, it's, it's cheaper, it's cheaper boxing or, or theoretically it's cheaper boxing for you to watch. And, you know, it hasn't always gone the way that they hoped it would go, but yeah. you know, look, who wants to pay? I don't think you know, is the economics work as such where sometimes fights have to be on pay-per-view or they won't happen. And that, and that's clearly what we're seeing here, but I don't think anyone says, Oh yeah, I'd love to spend 75 bucks for something that, could be on ESPN or Showtime or something. No, no one in their right mind says that. But you're willing to pay for the highest quality in, in some cases. But you know, ideally, you wouldn't have to. No, you wouldn't. But uh, we'll see how that goes next year. Uh, Keith, always good to talk to you. Always insightful. Uh, appreciate you joining me uh, for this emergency edition of the Boxing Podcast. Yes. Sounds good, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Stay safe down there in Florida. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.